to the Drop the Remote podcast. I'm Ben Houck. I'm Chris Heyer. And I'm Shane Foley. And this is a show about Blood In, Blood Out, an amazing 1993 movie, as well as our five most anticipated movies of the year. We're going to do a draft, uh, and then we're going to get into some of our most recently watched stuff. So, fellas, how are you doing? What have you seen lately? You want me to go? Yeah, you go, Chris. I'll go. All right. Um, let's see. So, first thing I'll talk about that I watched recently was trying to get Christy to watch uh, blood in blood out with me <laughs> didn't work so we had to pivot so i pulled up my cousin Vinny, and i watched my cousin Vinny. hilarious it's just a great movie hilarious Christy fell asleep within 20 minutes so i should have probably just watched blood in blood out but <laughs> i finished my cousin Vinny, and it was it's just a great movie you know a- absolutely it's it's one of those that uh, definitely unrewatchable uh for sure did and- you guys watch uh any of the complete history of the world part two that's already up yeah, they, they had like a four-night thing. Oh, my God. Now I'm so excited. Came out, yes. It came out, I think, on Tuesday. Oh, Every- my God. Nick Kroll is like, I mean, in the going back to previous pods, like the, all the big mouth, all the human services, all that kind of stuff. Oh, dude, they uh, have so many people in there. So, it's yeah. wild. The cast is unbelievable. Ike Barinholtz. And obviously, they get Mel Brooks on it. Holy oh, yeah. Leader. He like is hosting it, basically. Yeah. He like does the intro and stuff. Well, I guess I know what I'm doing tonight. Good. It's really good. <laughs> I, I haven't even watched part one. I think I got two three episodes in maybe so far and i kind of fell off on sure. it but like very solid very uh, solid that is sounds significantly better than the thing i binge watched last night i watched daisy jones and the six um which i was really excited for i'm a big music head you know went to music school that whole that whole scene um and it's basically an almost what if almost famous but a tv show and so if you haven't seen the kate hudson um traveling around like an almond brothers ish band um, Stillwater and in the 1970s becoming up famous. Um, that's where like the super, super famous Hold Me Close to Tiny Dancer scene. I don't know if you know it. Almost Famous. Yeah, really yeah, great yeah. movie. The mm-hmm. airplane scene. Yes, right? exactly. Um, they tried to make that into a TV show and you've kind of got this um, Janis Joplin young character writing in LA female character at the head of it now instead of just like a Stillwater like Aerosmith meets uh, Allman Brothers knockoff. And I'm just the music has to be the main thing in a music movie. I'm not sure the music's that good. And it's really bumming me out because like they're playing all the classic tracks behind them of 70s stuff. And like in the back of my head, I'm like, oh my God, old music is just consistently cannibalizing new music and it's killing me. But the, the show, like I'm, I'm six episodes in and like I wanted it to work so bad. Didn't work. Uh, a little disappointed. So gonna I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to cut halfway in the middle of this. I'm going to quit on this show and jump to the, the history of the world um, and get some Mel Brooks in me. What about you, Shane? What's 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 on your docket? Uh, since our last episode, I started and caught up on an Apple TV show called Shrinking. Mm. Uh, the the guy who plays Roy Kent in Ted Lasso, he is one of the creators. It's Jason Segel, uh, Siegel, uh, Harrison Segal. Ford, <laughs> and uh, Christina Miller, who plays Jordan from Scrubs. Very very funny. Uh, Comedy, heartwarming, a lot of like forgetting Sarah Marshall style humor. So I'm um, eight episodes into that. That's very good. Uh, I watched After Sun. Uh, I vowed on the last episode to catch up on a couple of Oscars, Oscar mm. nominees. I didn't catch up on all of them, but I did watch After Sun. I thought Pe- Paul Mescal absolutely killed it in that movie. Absolutely. Uh, and then uh, 
apologies to Andrea Riseborough for saying her name incorrectly about 12 <laughs> times in the last episode. <laughs> um, I did watch 75% of To Leslie. I still have to finish it. I was on a flight and it was on there. So I Fair got enough. through Fair most enough. of it. I was going to say, we already gave that movie a lot of heat. And I was going to be like, you couldn't even finish it. <laughs> All right. The flight's very understandable. Brett Goldstein of Ted Lasso fame on uh, on the shrinking one. That's also pretty high up on my like want to catch up on list. I feel like TV is just coming out so fast and furious. I haven't been able to catch up because I'm still watching things like South Park, which quietly just snuck right back into my psyche um, in the last three weeks. Uh, really great episode about Japanese toilets. Anybody catch that I haven't one? seen that. I watched the <laughs> royal family one. Like yes. the, that one was great. Respect With- our privacy. <laughs> robot privacy tour. <laughs> you came out with your new book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How... Trey Parker and Matt Stone are still this good so many years later. And I love it because they're like season 26 now or season whatever. And they're they're totally under the radar, but they're still that good that everyone's just like, they're still part of the psyche. I didn't even know that was coming out. And I all of a sudden was like scrolling through HBO Max and it was like South Park. And I was like, oh, am I not caught up? So good. The analogy to toilet paper around the world and how American companies shut down duvet, uh, duvet. I can't even say the word. How do you say the word about the toilet that shoots water? People oh, bought? bidet. 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 Oh, you can't go lead with like D like Dubai. Bidet He's toilets. Con- you're confusing um, it with duvet. Yeah. The American toilet paper industry doesn't want Japanese toilets to catch on in America. Oh, my God. So funny. Um, <laughs> oh, did you catch up on Party Down? I, Have I haven't. I'm still only one episode in. I can't wait to catch up on that, oh, too. Like I crush, said. That's crushing it as well. <clears throat> um, Poker Face finished up as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know that was a show we were kind of watching. Um as they say, they shuffled the deck so they can just keep the Columbo thing going. It's, um, on, it's still on my list. I haven't started yet. Ryan Johnson. Um, it, I, one of the things with that show that just consistently convinces me, and as I'm going through lists of anticipated movies and all this stuff, is that good directors make really good stuff, and Ryan Johnson is on an absolute heater right now of good content. And so Ryan Johnson, Tasha Leone, uh, and Benjamin but Bratt. I was going to say, we got a tie-in on we this We got a tie-in. One. Benjamin Bratt of Poker Face, um, still doing it. Huge role in Blood In, Blood Out. Dude doesn't look like he's aged much since Blood In, Blood Out. Yeah. What else? I caught Creed 3 in the movie theater. Um, Pretty good. Michael B. Jordan outing. I'm not going to say it's the best in the Rocky franchise, but I definitely give you that a a thumbs up and go check it out. Magic Mike 3. uh, Soderbergh's my boy. Uh, Steven Soderbergh, if you enjoyed the first two Magic Mikes, you're going to like Magic Mike 3. It's still Channing Tatum bumping and grinding on beautiful women. This time it happens to be Selma Hayek. I mean, if you're into that, I'm, you know, <laughs> not I'm, I'm not going to say no to Selma Hayek for anything. So, um, pretty great. Takes place in London. So a little bit of, uh, a tra- uh, travel lust there. And then the last one I caught was Little White Lie with Michael Shannon and Kate Hudson and Don Johnson. Pretty big. And Zach Braff. Um, so like pretty ridiculous cast right out of the gate. Love Michael Shannon. He's a, um, season tickets guy for me like i just i watch anything michael shannon's in especially like the knives out he was in 99 homes he's in like so many movies i just love michael shannon so uh unfortunately that is a not recommend by me um on little white lie um definitely like if after a couple drinks maybe sure but um yeah you know some good movies good shows uh what else did we watch anything before we get into i have one more that i haven't watched yet but i just found out that it's coming out i was actually had it on my most anticipated list but then I found out it already came out, so I can't anticipate it anymore. <laughs> uh, but they had they did a, a Luther movie, yeah. on Netflix. Yeah, yeah. My sister told that. me she watched it last night. Actually, she said she was she said it was really good. I watched the show like a long time ago, and it was fucking awesome. So I feel like I got to catch up before I get back into the movie. 
it's a lot going on with that show. But just in a but from normally this would be like dumpuary, the end of February, March, and we wouldn't get any good content. And I feel like two years in a row now, post COVID, we're just in this abundance of riches of content to watch. So and it's funny that um we do that and then we go back to a movie that was on YouTube <laughs> of all things, easy to watch. Um no Did the shame. sound cut out for you guys at the at that one scene. YouTube yeah. was a little sketchy. So yeah. I ended up um pulling it up um on a different service and I I, it's it's funny that it's just because yeah YouTube's free so I started there so yeah I guess anything else before we get into blood in blood out no I think let's I think let's dive in yeah I'm all right it. awesome so this week all three of us watched the 1993 Latin American gang crime thriller blood in blood out also known as Bound by Honor if you're looking on IMDb it's by directed by Taylor Hackford uh, who went on to do Ray Officer and Gentleman Proof of Life uh, was produced on La Bamba. Big history of big Hollywood movies and especially uh, Mexican American and Latin American films. Uh, it was written by Ross Thomas, Jimmy Santiago, uh, Santiago Baca, sorry, and Jeremy. I'm not going to pronounce that right. Um, I A C O N E. Uh, how would you pronounce that? Any any guesses? Iacone. Iacone. There we go. I like it. I like um, the flair on the the Oni. They were one hit <laughs> wonders as far as as writers. So off the top, it's starring Damien Chapa, Jesse Barrigo as Cruz, and Benjamin Bratt, who obviously we just talked about in Poker Face, um, as well as an incredible supporting cast, notably Delroy Lindo, Enrique Castillo, Billy Bob Thornton, super young, Ving Rhames, super young, Danny Trejo, before he really becomes like, you know, would your movie be better with Danny Trejo in it fame, crushing it. Um, fellas, what did you think of Blood In, Blood Out? I was for it. I thought it was good. I mean, it's long. It's very long. Yeah, and in, this, in the year where there's two three-hour movies, um, Babylon and The Way of Water, and like that whole joke of like if three hours movies have a place, like yeah. here we go, we're gonna rip off a three-hour movie right off. The well, bat. from what I read on IMDb, it was originally a five-hour movie Oof. that Oof. they tried to cut down to three individual movies, Jesus. and then ended up just making one three-hour movie. So not to step on it, but would Blood and Blood Out make a better Netflix series now or a short series? Wow, Ooh, that's a good, that's a good question. I think that was, for there's something that's more it's easier to kind of take in those shows when it's just like, yeah, it's so weird. Cause it's like, I can, I feel like a three hour movie is long, but mm. if I watch four episodes of an hour long show on Netflix, upset. I'm like, well, I'll watch another one. Yeah. You know? right. Like, I don't know if it's just the way that it's structured or what, but it, it, that, and it just feels more like bite-sized pieces in, in your head. This is definitely broken into three significant acts um, of Miklo, who is our protagonist. Um, is a Latin cousin. Uh, he's a cousin of our our stars here. Uh, no, he's so he's a half brother to Benjamin Bratt. That's right. And then uh, who's the other guy? Cousin the artist? Uh, Jesse Borrego Cruz. is Cruz. Yeah, he's a step brother. I think they're cousins. cousins. No, I think he's a step brother, right? Because his dad right, right, married right. the mom. You're right. Correct. You're right. Um. So it's it's interesting because right off the bat, the movie hits you over the head with the passing kind of narrative of like, oh, you're the white Latino. You know what I mean? You're like your mom, your dad was white enough in Vegas that you came out not brown enough. Like, are you brown enough to be part of the gang? And like the first act, holy cow. Um, I couldn't believe how good that first act was. And think about in episode form, like I could have used three episodes of just that beginning. Like they're all brothers, you know, cousins, like just growing up in East L.A. and that whole scene. Before we get into the whole prison thing, yeah, uh, which is very much Act Two, where I think it it slows down and it gets deeper into its um, political and philosophical thoughts more. Um, but the opening, holy cow, uh, Shane, what? Tell me about the opening. What did you like? 
I liked, I actually really liked the first act of all three. First act was definitely my favorite. Mm. It, I thought it did a very good job of depicting like the scene amongst like, like the Latin American scene in LA at the time. I think it was 1972. Right. It is and I like that. Yeah, yeah, I keep forgetting to say that it's not 1993, like when gang violence is at its all time, maybe peak. Um, well, the movie spans like 30 years, doesn't right. it? Yeah. It, it starts in like 77, I want to say, or somewhere in the Seven, 70s. I think it's 72. Yeah. Which I, and I think that's like the 30 year span is actually like, I think like each decade kind of serves as its own act and you mm. see it from a different perspective in each decade. I, I actually, of all the acts, like I said, act one was my favorite. I really liked the origins, like kind of seeing where everyone came from and seeing how, you know, at the time of the first act, like all three of the, stepbrothers or half brothers or cousins or I don't know where we landed on that. A variety of step and half yeah. brothers. I, I like I like kind of seeing how they Extended were all family. They yeah. were all so innocent and like ready to take on the world. And it was before they all like had kind of been corrupted and like kind of like hit their downfalls. Right. Of, like, one of them's he, like a golden glove boxer our Benjamin Bratt Paco character. He's like, you know, the tough guy, leader of the gang, but like clearly on the straight and narrow and I love how much the family dynamic it jumps into right away. It's like a Cruz is working on his his dad's um, mechanical business. He's doing painting on cars. Um, he's an artist. Painting that lady with just one boob. Oh, I, I love it. And <laughs> it's, it's funny, especially in the Black Panther Wakanda Forever, uh, bringing in the whole how much Mexicans still love Aztec culture and that whole thing. Like, um, didn't realize that and like yeah i'm gonna paint you as an aztec goddess mommy and like it's like the whole love scene in the back of the car the whole thing and it's like yeah i guess that's still a thing therefore i mean why not and then um miklo who's had a little bit of trouble um he is on probation early in the movie i doesn't necessarily say because he beat the shit out of his dad right yeah i wrote down one of my favorite lines is Find yourself another slave, Dad. I'm going home. Mm. Yeah, because it's you know he gets into it with his dad because his dad is Super is racist. is being very racist yeah. about like Hispanic people, and he ends up kicking his ass. And then it, they don't tell you that's exactly what he lands on probation for, but it's pretty evident that's what he lands on probation for. Right. And Which like I don't like. By the way, you don't get on you don't get on probation for a family fight. You wouldn't think. I mean, I mean, his dad seemed like a huge dick, so he probably pressed. Yeah. What a, what a snitch. And, and, and that's <laughs> yeah. snitch, bro. Exactly. When your dad's your snitch, that's rough. Um, and that's the thing is like these other guys, um, like they're clearly in their involved with the gang, and they've all got those Vatos Locos um, tattoos on their um, on the inner of their hands. You know, so in the seventies, even even though they're just like they're a family oriented gang, they're just looking out for each other. Um, they're still pretty quickly gets into some serious violence with it escalates other. very quickly <laughs> yeah. yeah it um, goes from like oh they're spray painting something on our wall to like i shot him. i shot a guy <laughs> yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. And it, 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 the ends don't seem to justify the means but it very much propels the story to where it needs to go yeah um that might have been my favorite scene in the whole movie is like after they paint um the thing they ambush these guys up on near the hollywood sign in la like my la um geography is a little pretty weak I was just out there this past summer, but I'm pretty sure they're near the Hollywood sign. And like, there's one couple that's just like making out. And then there's like uh, the other gang's just like drinking beer on a Sunday, hanging out. Like that's the whole idea. They're going to ambush them on a lazy Sunday. And like, so they're in the tall grass and they're like crawling up. And I love like, it's just like the fields of gold effect of just like all the straw and hay behind them. And then it's like pretty obvious. They've got him completely sound rounded. Miklo acts as the diversion. And then they just beat the crap out of this other gang um, and even like carve Vatos Locos in Spider, right? Spider. Uh, Vatos Locos great into names his chest. In Smokey later on, solid name. Yeah. A lot of good names in this one. Mm -hmm. I, I still like, so that whole attack was uh, 
getting them back for dropping crews on a fucking fire hydrant. Yeah, you know, that they, was wild. They give them the, oh, ba- they give them the backbreaker over the over the fire. It was like WWF in 1993, which WWF was at its height in 1993. Yeah. So they probably got probably, that from a, probably the inspiration uh, for it. Uh, the equivalent of Bane breaking Batman's back over. That's his what knee I thought is of. What it, these it, dudes it, do? They they've got him four or five feet up in the air and just drop him on a fire hydrant with this, you know, the sharp point on the top. It's very clear that he's like broken his vertebrae. He gets to the hospital. The doctor's like, I got to do surgery on his spleen. I got to do this and that. His story was so heartbreaking too, because he was the one of the three of the three family members that Mm. was like, he was like a successful artist, and he seemed like a really sweet guy. And not to like spoil too much about the movie, but he this basically like completely turns his entire life upside down. Right. So yeah, you get the the drug addiction from taking those pain pills from surgery, and it just leads to heroin and all that shit. Exactly. Um. So then we'll, we'll try to get through act two and three here quickly so we can talk about the bigger themes of the movie. But that sets us off. Um, basically, so then Miklo and um, Paco are in the car you're running away from this this hit on a Sunday that I was t- saying about. Miklo has gotten injured one way or another. Um, and so he's not moving as fast. And so Paco's driving the car. Great job as a getaway car. Amazing car chase. He was whipping it. Yeah. For an old crappy 70s, probably 4,000 He was hitting pound. the NOS. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> for a 4,000 pound, super heavy, like muscle car, driving through East LA, up and down the alleyways, like no problem. It felt like the San Andreas scene. Like I felt like I was playing Grand Theft Auto again. Like freaking loved it. Um, amazing opening action sequence. And then um, they get caught by the cops. Um, I want to mention this scene too, because it's such an amazing scene of they're just driving around in that car that, um, Cruz has painted this Aztec goddess, uh, Aztec god holding up this naked woman that's very beautiful. Just one Emerald boob Green. out. Again, one yeah. boob just perfectly out. <laughs> and Emerald green, beautiful paint job. And they're driving around this car. You know, uh, the what's the hat? The fedoras, you know, the 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 white uh wife beater shirts, a beautiful white leather car interior, like really living the life, you know, and it shows that like, oh yeah, everybody could excel at this time. Like they're not just criminals and like you know, in like ghettos, quote unquote. I, I think it did a really good job of saying that like this culture and this whole thing was on point. I t- I totally agree with that. And mm. that's like from from act one, like I thought one of the, like the most evident subplots was like the that the American dream was very attain like as we know it the American dream right, was as- very attainable for everyone. That was mm. like to me, that was kind of what the point of Act One was, where like they're all innocent, they're all young, like they're like they're chasing their dreams, like they're trying to make it in LA. Yeah, and they 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 own businesses. You know, they've got their religion. They go to church. They've they've got the family meal. They trying to smoke dubs in other people's cars. Right. They've they've got <laughs> they've got nice things and um you know beautiful family and all all this stuff. And then obviously it all goes to shit and, and crime. And but the, the scene I'm talking about is is the cop comes up and notably harasses them because their bumper is too low. And it's just like that was all it took because you were brown in L.A. to get pulled over um, and to get harassed by a cop at one point. And obviously the L.A crime and LA police forces got stories on stories of uh, uh, better and worse um, police, police well, and, they, and it's interesting because they only get out of it because uh, Benjamin Bratt's character was a gold a, glove a, like a big boxer so right. the, like the guy recognized him and yeah. like oh okay like and you know, our artist go. Jesse Cru- uh, Jet Cruz um, very smooth talking you know says oh I, I painted this for my business we're just taking it out make sure everything all the fixes were good you know kind of he's, he's sweet talking to cop for sure and I just, I thought, you know, the, the as other, we watched this movie, we said how many things were so far ahead of their time. And even in 1993, that scene still feels so pertinent in 2023, 30 years later. A hundred percent. And I thought it was super interesting. Like when Cruz is sweet talking to cop, hmm. 
how the other two were so pissed off at him for yeah. it. They were like, quit kissing this cop's ass. Right. And it's like, he's you seen see, as an enemy right he, away. Yeah, yeah. And you see like, kind of like the dichotomy between like, you know, I'm like, basically like how you would deal with that situation of like, you like, there's multiple paths you can take and you kind of see how the other two are very like, this is bullshit. I shouldn't have to kiss this cop's ass. We're not doing anything wrong, which they weren't. Right. They absolutely were not. Right. The bumper was four inches too low. Which yeah. God knows who, <laughs> if that regulation is real or not. Um, Miklo, obviously on probation, he's just trying to like, you know, not be a thing at all. And then ironically, Benjamin Bratt's character, Paco, um, yeah, he's the one who's the most aggressive towards this cop. As obviously as a gang leader, you know, God knows he's seen some things. Um, but I, I just thought that was interesting in act one. So act two, Miklo, after this car chase gets nicked, um, on probation. So he has to go to prison. Um, and so then we're off in the prison system of the, three rival factions in prison, the Mexican-Americans, the blacks, and uh, the white criminals who were very much skinheads and like portrayed that way. Um, tell Billy me Bob a little bit Thornton. more about Act 2. Billy Bob Thornton in there looking fucking wild. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Young Billy Bob Thornton as a skinhead is... Oh, that was wild. <laughs> um, yeah. Upsetting. Um, reminds me a little bit Edward Norton energy. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, it is crazy. Like, I don't want to... Like, I don't want to turn this into a political political podcast. Mm. But it is crazy how that movie's 30 years old and they're like, clearly like the filmmakers are showing you how people are, like white people are racist. Mm. And it's like, I think it's very wild how very, like that hasn't progressed that far from that. Like it's mm. progressed in like a very raw prison sense, but it's like, we haven't gotten as a society like super far away from that. And that's been 30 years now. And you like to think that we have, but then you actually see some stuff and you're like, Oh, never yeah, mind. Th- My bubble might be a certain way, but right. beyond that, there's like progressive and acceptive and, and whatever. Yeah. And this movie like goes right into the tribalism right away. Like the, bl- uh, the black gang is super racist against the white and the Mexican gang and the white gang super racist against the black. And, and well, like all, all three of them are racist in different ways to each other. So yeah. I, I do think like, it's tribalism, but then, you know, Act Three. Not, you know, we're full spoiling. This is a thirty-year-old movie. Happy thirtieth anniversary yeah. to this movie. <laughs> um, you know, there's a point where uh, they make a truce between the black gang and the Mexican gang in the prison to gain power. Um, so it, you know, you sh- you see that the minorities are more willing to work together well, than the, the white gang was ever to work with. Which any of I them. think was probably a progressive thought back then too. Mm-hmm. The interesting thing about it, though, too, is like so in prison it forces you to kind of get into these gangs and these groups and it's much easier to group with people that you can identify with visually very quickly so that probably starts those things so that's what the interesting thing with uh niklo is yes where he comes in as like feeling again that it, passing within narrative. himself as right. like a very hispanic person but comes across as white so like all these white guys are like oh you should come hang with us like well so it's not it's not as much because he even like speaks with an accent and stuff. So it's yep. not to them what you feel on the inside or where, what your culture is or any of that. It's right. just a visual outside. You look the part so you can come join us. P- precisely. Purely visual, very shallow, yeah. very ridiculous. Yep. Um, I, I do. I, I Obviously, the passing book, I'm going to forget the author of it. That's probably the best and most amazing example. But I like, almost wanted to go back and reread it. Um, hold on. Let me see. I can Google quickly here. Um, Nella, uh, yeah, Lars, Nella Larson, super common. She was a lighter skinned black woman. And so she commonly passed 
as you know uh, a white or uh, whatever and so she wasn't accepted by her black family or this fully white um, audience she was trying to work, you know, work with. So I forget the time, 1929, right, is when that was published. So, you know, she's caught in between two different cultures and two different things. And I think it's interesting that this is the Mexican-American or Latino version of, like, you're not brown enough to be Mexican, but you're also not white enough to be, you know, because you have the culture and you have all these things. You have the accent. You're not uh, white enough to pass as white either. He has that really yeah. good speech, like, at, near the end of the movie, I think, where he talks about that, where he, like, never felt Mexican enough to hang out with like mm-hmm. one side of the family, but he wasn't white enough to hang out with like his dad who good thing. Cause that guy was a huge douchebag, but like, yeah. Yeah. And, and that's, and that's in prison. That's where we meet, you know, Delroy Lindo, who's the leader of the black gang, um, Billy Bob Thornton, who's second fiddle in the white gang. I don't remember who was the head of the white. They just got some super skin. Oh, he had he such a weird, he doesn't hang around like, for long. Yeah, yeah. Wasn't yeah. his name Red Rider? Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. Um, then you you get Danny Trejo, who's just legendary uh, Mexican actor, um, being kind of the muscle for the the Mexican gang. Ving Rhames is in there. He's he's yep. actually the um a warden. Um, excellent Ving Rhames. Love I have love the voice. I have in my notes. I have three actors where when they popped up, I wrote their name with exclamation points, and it was. <laughs> It was Danny Trejo, Billy Bob Thornton, and Ving Rhames. Danny yeah, Trejo is like, so young in this movie, too. Yeah. And so I was looking up while we were doing notes for the for this episode. I was looking up. Danny Trejo is 72 years old right now. I was like, Danny Trejo does not look like he's 72. He, that, that just blew my freaking mind. I, I was like, lo- he's always had the, um, who's the Iggy Pop? Yeah, Iggy, he's always had the Iggy Pop syndrome where his skin's like super loose and like wrinkly and whatever. But I did not, but he's still like ripped. Like, yeah, he's jacked. I was like, holy shit, Danny Trejo is 72. That's why. Yeah. He could whoop my ass. Yeah. And he's also like 5'5. Five, five. Mm. Shout out to the Rewatchables who always has the question would this movie be better with Danny Trejo, The Rock? I forget what their options are, but Danny <laughs> Trejo is always one of those things. Like, if you just threw Danny Trejo in this movie, would it be better? I mean, he, this it worked on this one. Cl- clearly. Um, and so, you know, you're meeting all these great characters. And I want to shout out Enrique Castillo, too, as the leader of um, the Mexican gang in the prison, um, who is very charismatic and very understanding and very logical about how he's moving things around when it comes to the drug proposition and how to take care of his people. And to the point where they even start a gambling racket to start paying legal fees for their own guys to get out and to return to their families. Because he's got this story about how, um, you know, he had a daughter and he hasn't seen them her since she was like two or something so she was very young and she's so excited looking forward to seeing her after 14 years and um, again full spoiler territory tragically does not get to um we're hedging into act three now yeah and so i i just think it does a really good job even though it is long a little bloated in the second and third acts of tying all these bigger longer through lines of, of thematics of you know the tribalism and the passing and the how to be logical even in a prison I, I thought that plot line was really interesting too of the gangs in the la streets were controlled by the gangs in what's the prison called oh i wrote that down too because there was another obviously fantastic super famous line. johnny cash played there it's not Folsom. uh no shoot san quentin san quentin so he i, I did r- i wrote down one of my favorite lines from the beginning where uh, they get there and uh the like the guys like leading them of the new prisoners into the jail and he just goes the chains will come off you'll drop your drawers and then you're home <laughs> welcome to san quentin <laughs> yeah amazing one-liners um we gotta get to one-liner corner here i know chris has got a bunch of them um some I'm, of the quotes 
I didn't. I didn't. Get, I actually. I didn't get any one liners down. But oh, I'm, I'm interested God. to hear there, your there's guys. There's some good lines. I do on. think, yeah. like, just real quick before we before we, I think probably hop into Act Three yeah. after this. I got one more Act Two thing, but yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I, I thought it was cool. I thought it was very. Again, in 1993, I was two years old, mm. but I so I don't know the political landscape completely or very much at all, other than from like reading about it. I do think it was, there were some very, pro, what I imagine were very progressive for the time thoughts that were carried through for act two of like kind of that tribalism and kind of that, like the open like racism and the dichotomy between like African Americans, Latino Americans and white Americans. Like it was interesting to see it from all three angles. Well, it's interesting because like you talk about like what was going on in 93 and like the reason a, that, it's not called Blood In, Blood Out. It's called uh, what Bound, Bound by, by Honor. Honor. Yeah. is because the L.A. riots had just happened. So, like, Dis- right. and this is like a Disney movie, technically. It's, like, under a separate right. parent yeah. company. But, like, they were... Disney technically produced and, and released this. And yeah. they're like, well, maybe let's hold off on it for a little while and also not call it Blood In, Blood Out. It's a little too yeah. violence-based. Yeah. So but, they, they changed it, right? They changed the name. They to changed Bound the by name. Honor. Yeah. yeah. So I think technically, when you find it on IMDb, it's Bound by Honor. Okay. So they released it as Blood and Blood Out, and then later, like years later, like after the the riots, they changed it. No, to- no, no. They held out. They held off on releasing it for like two years or something like that. Oh wow. Mm. They didn't want to let it out During the at that riots, time. Yeah. Oh wow. And waited and then re-released it, at, or I guess regular release it as Bound by Honor. Yeah. It sort of has that similar. Um, it's also largely in the shadow of American Me which released in 1992, an Edward Jones almost movie uh, about a Mexican gang leader who goes to prison. Um, and that movie kind of had that godfather relationship with the actual gangs of like, we don't want to be portrayed at all because the real Mexican mafia wants no headlines. We just want to keep our operations going. We want to keep our underground rackets and our money-making things to our own. And American Me got really, really almost like there's threats on almost his life, all the stuff about making this movie. And it's so interesting that blood in blood out, um, comes out just a year later, much less, uh, criticism from the Mexican gang. I, you know, interestingly, and it's more accepted. I don't know who was their Columbo type figure. Cause Godfather very famously had, um, Columbo work with the Italian American, um, g- families and gangs in New York and say, Hey, what, what do we need to do to make the Godfather come out? And I'm I I didn't get that deep into the research of like, did somebody do that for Blood and Blood? I well? I read that uh, the three main actors all spent like three months living with like members of gangs in East LA. Right. So they had some street cred. get like at least know the landscape, the, the landscape, the culture mm. of it all, and yep. stuff like that. So I'm sure at that point they were like, "You guys are cool with this, right?" <laughs> yeah. Again, it's it's just un- <laughs> unbelievable to me. Can you sign here, please. <laughs> yeah, that uh, you know these big gang movies are harder to make because like all that stuff is happening behind the scenes. Probably where they were filming probably was active like gang territory and stuff. You know, um, also love as a scene. One of my favorite shots in the whole movie is just they keep panning up on this enormous tree. I don't know what kind of tree it is. It's some sort of pine. I started to look it up. Oh, they said it's like a historical monument now. Yeah. In East LA. Like that tree's still there. How beautiful is that? Uh, the tree is sick. Love that. Um, oh, I just want to jump back to yes. before we move to Act 3. And where the movie gets the blood in, blood out name is. So uh, Miklo has to kill a guy in order yes. to get into this. What was the... The, the prison gang. Uh, yeah, seven, what was it called? Yeah, they call themselves the Seven something. Something with an O, I want to yeah. say. Yeah. 
But in order to be in the inner circle of prison, he has to make, he has to do a murder to prove himself. Yeah. So <laughs> this is just weird things that I pick up on. I don't know mm. what I'm watching for necessarily, but they show him, they have this like diagram in the back of a Bible. They're like, you got to read the black book. Mm. And they open up the back of a Bible and it's just like La onda. a drawing of a, La onda. what is it? La Onda. Yeah. Right. So they have, it's just a drawing of a guy front and back and it's got all these points and they're like, these are the points that'll kill a guy. If you stab him in these spots, it'll kill him. And I don't know if you guys noticed, but I think it was, I wrote it down. That diagram is number, totally ridiculous, by the way. Number 24 was right in the butthole. <laughs> yeah, that's, that is true. That diagram is ridiculous. However, when I watched that scene, there is a more recent movie that I was like, I wonder if this inspired uh, the Dan Day-Lewis like uh, scene from gangs of new york where mm. he has like he has like the cow hung here, upside down yeah, yeah. and he's showing leonardo dicaprio like this is a kill shot this is a kill shot that's an injury that's a wound i'm like i wonder if there was like scorsese took some inspiration from this into gangs of new york did he ever stab the cow in the butthole uh no he <laughs> throws his knife across the stage and stabs leonardo dicaprio in mm. a, a wound shot not a kill shot yes uh Oh my god! I, I never realized that before. That's my my biggest thing is he's got like three different arrows pointing to the head. I'm like I'm pretty sure anywhere in the head, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's like, yeah. general that general. Yeah, yeah. and good. I'm like obviously foreheads one. Maybe it's got one in the ear, one up through the mouth. Well, all their shanks are like super long. Yeah, every, yeah, yeah. every shank I saw in that movie, it was they like were very long. So screwdriver. That probably brings me to my second favorite series um, and scene is when he kills at the head of the cafeteria, who is clearly the part of the white. Um, gang um, leader. He's got a big racket going on and he's clearly trying to sexually assault Miklo. Um, and so Miklo's kind of got a little bit of it in. He's working at the cafeteria, but then he keeps hiding this super long shank in the cardboard boxes of the cafeteria and like slowly working his way to the point where he can kill this guy because obviously there's, you know, a homosexual activity happening between him and a, and a guard. Um, and no, they were the, no, the that guard was, was that was like the racketeering. That yeah. was like the game. Like oh. He was like they running, were doing all the gambling. Yeah, it was like I, he was running the money for him. Miklo was pretending I, to be his okay. bitch, but he kept being like, "When I'm ready." Right. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Right. I, I, I thought he was like also like blowing the guard or something. No, like no, those guys were just doing okay. money stuff. But I will so say, he had he had the um what do you call it? blackmail on the guard. Therefore, the guard later on yes. wasn't a snitch to yes. Miklo once he gets Yeah, murdered. I love that when he's like in, because they put everybody in the hole, everybody that was there when yes. the guy gets murdered. And Miklo's, I want some answers. Yeah, yeah and Miklo's like, can I get some uh, extra dessert tomorrow maybe? And the guy, the guard just is like, fuck. Yeah, I got <laughs> to give this guy dessert. <laughs> the guard now. knows like, he's dead to rights. That right was away. such a whole, I actually laughed so hard when that was like his like, bargaining chip of maybe I'll have some extra dessert tomorrow. Like, you could have had anything, man, but you chose extra, an extra snack pack tomorrow. Yeah. Oh my God. And sneaky, really funny. Sneaky. Uh, I don't know. I, I I did really like this movie. It's funny. As we talk about it more, it's like, man, this keeps going from like a seven to a 7.5 to an eight in my head as it's, as a good so, movie. Yeah. So what's like, what's, I think let's progress to act three sure. if we can. Like, so act three, I can summarize quickly and then we can dive in mm. act three. Miklo gets out of prison he has some connections that he made when he was in prison. He basically starts right back up on his life in prison, just now outside of prison, mm. and quickly finds himself back in jail after a encounter with his cousin or stepbrother, um, uh, half brother, half brother. What was the uh, Brat Brat's character? Um, the Paco. Yes, Paco. Yeah, Paco. Yeah, yeah Paco. Who is gone pa from Marine and is now part of the L.A. Police Force. Yeah, he's yeah, part he of the was, police force. His story wasn't like that change wasn't big in 
like the second act at all. It was just kind of well. Now he's wearing a right. Yeah, he's just like uniform. out. Shows up out to the funeral, fighting crime. Another very unfortunate event. Shows up to a funeral as a marine. Oh yeah, we we totally skipped over uh, the, the yeah, little so kid. The, the the yeah, that's a good point. So our uh. Cruz's plot line is that he obviously gets his bat broken, back broken. He's on all these painkillers. Um, he's trying to stay as an artist, um, but he's doing a lot of heroin and opiates and whatever. Um, and his cousin, his youngest little, brother, little cousin, little cousin, yeah, little cousin, um, is you know hanging out with him and these other gang members that are also doing drugs. And the co- the little cousin also does drugs, sticks a needle in his arm, clearly ODs because doesn't take that much heroin to kill a child and. You know, Cruz's character gets blamed for it and is ostracized from the family. Well, it was his fault. Well, yeah, his, his buddy is uh, who's the guy from Breaking Bad. Right. Yeah. Very young. Uh, what is, I wrote it down. Raymond Cruz. Yep. He plays Tuco. Yep. I almost didn't recognize him at first. Yep. A lot of hair. I think that was what was yeah. throwing me off. Super Way more hair. Too. Was, I yeah. love that. Love that look. You that know. Was great. Yeah. Good call. We probably. Yeah. Good call on calling out the, the little cousin's death from Act Two. That's irrelevant plot detail right so heading into three our, our miklo cruz cruz is still ostracized and paco is now a la cop gone from marine to cop and so yeah go, go ahead and rip through what happened to miklo yeah so miklo there's like a there's like a a heist basically and it and crew uh not cruz um paco is paco is there as the police officer he sees miklo he tells him like just what are you doing just like get out of here and he's like He's like, no, I have to go. He's like, give me the gun. So Miklo runs off, gets shot, and ends up losing his leg. They don't really right. go into he, he too much detail. He purposely doesn't kill him, but he, he wounds him enough that, you know. I like how it, later on in the movie they keep going, even though you shot my leg off. They keep saying shot my leg off. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I, he didn't blow your leg off. Like, they had to take it off. But, yeah. like, yeah, I get it. And, and so another amazing theme is that even once Miklo gets out of prison, he is stuck in an extortionist job because in order to stay on parole, he has to be employed rightfully. He has to stay on residence. The only residence he can get is this god-awful, like, tenement with, like, tons of people in it doing all sorts of illegal activity. And so, like, not only is he just at risk all the time of going back to prison because of all that. Well, and his boss is stealing his money and then threatens to call his parole yeah, officer. Yeah, and, 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 and he's blackmailing and extorting him. Well, and yeah. he also, he basically, like, again, there's, like, kind of see, like, just blatant racism too. Yeah, like and just blatant dollars for sixty hours of work. Yeah, I mean, just blatant, that? like blatant racism. And when he's like, he's like, "Wait, you stole my money to pay your gambling nuts." He's like, "Well, why don't you call the cops and we'll see who they believe?" Right. right? And it's right. like you see, like I think this is more of like a theme of Act Three, which is like mm-hmm. the trap, where it's like you get out of prison and then you actually you have less power than you, you act. Yeah, and the only yeah. and you really you're just like on this like cyclical pattern, like back to prison because it's like. That's exactly. the way that the world was structured and set up for people. Right. And, like, obviously that has been beaten to death in so many prison movies since then of, like, that cycle and how to break the cycle and all that stuff. Um, but in 1993, it felt, like, extremely poignant of, like, yeah, nobody gives a fuck because you're, you're uh, you know, you're a convict. Yeah. And, like, so it's just, like, nobody, there there was no uh, rehabilitation systems. There was no any of that stuff. Yeah, none at all. The only yeah. guy that got out of it was Brooks and Shawshank. Right. I, I was going to say, uh, even John Coffey from, from uh, the Green Mile can get out of it. Right, out. right. And so Miklo very much ends up back in prison, in, in, and he's accepted his fate now as a career criminal, as a career gangster. He seems kind of happy. I yeah. actually thought that, like, he seemed more happy and comfortable when he went back to prison to be like, yeah, this is my territory. Like, I know how to excel here. Well, and I think part of it, too, comes back to that idea of his 
coming off as a white person. So outside of jail, you know, he doesn't have that same connection immediately with people. Right. Whereas, like, especially because he was very into what was the original gang that they were in? Vatos, Vatos Locos. Vatos Locos. He was very, very into the Vatos Locos stuff because it it made him part of that family. You know what I mean? Yep. He mm-hmm. he had those connections and it didn't matter what he looked like or what his background was or whatever. He was in that family regardless. Right. right. Uh and so then then it just all goes down. Act three. Um he, they pair up with the black gang, the black gang and the Mexican gang takes down so many white gang members very quickly. Um, and then they double cross the black gang so that ultimately Miklo and his, uh, the Mexican gang are controlling San Quentin. Um, and that's, well, they had that really quick spot mm. at the end of the, the, uh, Miklo's partner in crime in the, his like second in command guy yeah, showing him the soap where they made the, the plan, the, right. what is it? The pick, the, the yeah, Afro pick that yeah. they sent to, oh, what was the. I wrote his name down. So, too. yeah. So, just, they also, like, as they, they did double-cross, like, the Black King, but they also, they double-crossed Miko's leader from Wanda because yeah. he wanted to, like, he wanted to establish, like, political peace amongst the gangs and he basically was, like, the, like, the problem is, are, are the white skinheads, like, what's team up together? And Miko was, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, at the end of the day, Miko was, like, no, 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 just, like, we can, we can run this shit ourselves. They like wanted we, to take over the drug trade so that yeah. they would be the top yes. of that. Yeah. And, and Miklo in a power grab kills off Enrique Castillo. So heartbreaking. Um, just before he just before daughter, he's going to see his right, daughter too. By his oh. super old gangster who's like, he's that close and he's like holding a mirror for him. Just, Wallace. You know, he's trying to quaff his hair and make him look nice. So he I wrote in my notes, I was like, I knew Wallace was going to Did you guys shit, know? Like, So I didn't know until they revealed it. I was like, who had who had the leader of La Onda killed? Like, I didn't realize it was Miklo yeah. until the end. Until and, that scene where and, they like, have looking, the soap. Right. Looking and back, so you it, see the pick form. Yeah. Looking back, it's like blatantly obvious that yeah. it was him. But I, at, at the time, I was like, who the fuck killed him? Right. It, it, and, and at that point, it is. It's, it's this weird, like, the movie's slowing down, speeding up, slowing down, speeding up. And it's like, to keep track of all the plot lines and all the things that this movie's trying to say, it was tricky. You know, over a three-hour film, I had to watch this, like, one and a half times to catch all that stuff. And I'll be honest, the first time I started it, I only got like 45 minutes in before like having to like totally go all the way back through. Um, Some so- of my IMDB research that mm. I did said that in the, the five hour version of the movie, the next act was going to be that guy's daughter becomes a drug dealer and starts like moving drugs and ends up working for Miklo. And it's like Ooh. a full circle. Mm. Blood thing. in, blood out too. Yeah. Right, and then then you get the Godfather to Michael taking over the business. Yeah, yeah, the whole thing. All right, so yeah, it, so obviously there's parallel lines to Goodfellas, the Godfather, to you know, is this is this the Mexican Godfather? Where does this rank on all time gangster movies for you guys? It's interesting because it's got so many different elements. Like the the gang is a portion of it, but it's like a third of mm-hmm. it, kind of. You know for what sure. I mean? Because yeah. it's about the three of them reminded me of the wire in that way yeah there's like a lot of different both sides yeah also benjamin bratt and the beard and long hair when he was undercover was hilarious that was Mm. so funny i thought it was cruz at first i was like did did cruz turn into a cop what happened also the white hippie that comes into the cop station that's totally unbelievable he's like (laughs) unbelievable is my disguise it's biff (laughs) it's fucking biff from back to the future yeah (laughs) i wrote that down too i forgot to write that was another one with exclamation points is that biff no i i liked it and I actually hadn't even heard of it until Ben suggested we do an episode on it. And then after the episode, and obviously we'll get into this in a little bit, just kind of the state of like Latin American talent in Hollywood. When you Google like Latin American movies, that pops up as like 
it's top five on like every possible list that you're gonna you're gonna hit on Google. And I'm like, oh wow, I I didn't even know it existed. I thought it was good. Like I obviously cinematography has evolved. So there's always like you go back and you watch a movie from 1993 and you're like on YouTube. Uh, you watch exactly, on YouTube. Yeah, on, on YouTube and there's an element of technology has evolved and so is like filming style. But I thought it was good. It my my big gripe with it is like it's long it's a long watch. Like it's slightly over three hours. And I feel as though it could have been condensed a little if they got it to two and a half. Yeah, I would have been okay. Well, but and the three end, was long. The end seems to just kind of happen. You yeah, know, for right. a, for a long movie, it, it feels ends rushed abruptly. It feels yeah, very the rushed. Ending clearly, we're like, we need to get this out. So yeah. we need to like just put. You know, there's an old saying when you're playing um, music, like one way to end a guitar solo is just to set down the guitar, and it feels like they just <laughs> set, they just set down the ending. No, they did the fucking the Prince at that uh, the George Harrison concert mm. where he just throws the guitar in the air. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's one way to end a guitar solo, you know. Like, and so I very much feel that way. It's like, yeah, they just had this super long thing that they needed to cut, and so yeah, I I think we all agree it could have been a better TV series, it could have been a better two parter movie. Maybe. I'm glad I, I'm glad I watched it for sure. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Shout out Ben for suggesting and, and a huge shout out to Shay Serrano. Um, you know, Shane and I have told we're big, big picture fans. We're big ringer guys. You know, a lot of things we've learned from about podcasting and wanting to do this is from the ringer. Shay Serrano, um, writer of movies and other things. Shout out the book. I think he's got, uh, he's got like three now, doesn't he? Yeah. So it's hip-hop basketball and other things, things hip hop and other things and movies and other things. Yep. And I have now bought two copies of movies and other things. Cause I loved it so much. I gave it to a friend to read. And then I bought a second copy because I was like, there's another chapter I wanted to reference. Like I, I went back and got another copy. You can, hey man, um, you can keep it. Yes, yeah, Shay Serrano. He constantly on Twitter is just like, "Yo, rewatch Blood in Blood Out. Still a perfect movie." And I was just like, "Shay, you've been saying this is a perfect movie. I gotta go see this." And so uh, that was that was the inspiration. And then like, I'm just a huge gangster movie guy. Like also like I'll, Goodfellas is on. I'm sitting down and I'm watching it. Godfather's on. I'm like trying to carve out time to watch it. And I think in my head, you know, as you know the white guy. Uh, I'm like, all right, Godfather, I got Italian blood in me a little bit, you know, and I, of course, I'm more parlayed to that kind of thing um, to watch Italian American gangster films. But then it's just like all the same themes, all the same narratives of family and culture and respect and all the same stuff, no matter what side you're coming at it from a black gangster movie or a Mexican gangster movie or, you know, the Italian American gangster movies, all the same stuff. And that's like that's why it just blows my mind. I think this should go right in the same conversation with Godfather, with Goodfellas. That's why I, I my pitch it to you guys was like it's Mexican Goodfellas, like and just like and obviously some significant differences, not a super coked out ending, but like, yeah, um, yeah, it's it's not it's not a rewatchable for me, right? But I thought I'm glad that I watched it. Like I would probably give it a six and a half, seven out of ten, six and a half out of ten. I, I think it's one of those movies that I might come back to. It's one of those movies that you have to plan to rewatch. It's not like yeah. it's on. I'm it's not. A, it's not a ca- it's not a casual view. Right. It's like one of those like if another like significant Mexican American movie comes out, I'm like you know I might go back and check out Blood and Blood out one more time. You know, um, that and just like I don't know. I played so much Grand Theft Auto and all the things that I had only heard from Grand Theft Auto before movies and getting a little bit older, like all the saying essay all the time, like all those little things that are part of the Spanish uh, linguistics thing. Um, I want to say Orale. Yeah. yeah. They said it all the time. I looked up the definition of it and it can mean just anything. Turns yeah. out you're just like, oh yeah, I'm excited for that. And, and just the way, like, <laughs> oh, it's your turn to go. <laughs> you have an Orale for dinner tonight? The way they draw homes, you know, 
it's 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 weird like just you know they slow it down and they they there's more raspy sometimes uh, i just i don't know just all the 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 accent and all this all that stuff um let's get to some quotes and then we'll we'll wrap up Any, anything else on blood and blood out i like to think of this in my mind this is a prequel to miss congeniality <laughs> that's a hot take. isn't benjamin bratt an fbi agent in yes. Miss Congeniality? i do think before we before we get into quotes i was kind of I wasn't shitting on the cinematography. I was saying mm. that film is really much, very much evolved. But to paint our 50 listeners a picture of like the state of movies in 1993, other mm. movies in 1993, yes. Schindler's List, Jurassic Park, Days and Confused, The Fugitive, The Sandlot, Hocus Pocus, A Bronx Tale, What's Eating Gilbert Grape, which shocking that Leonardo DiCaprio has been acting. I mm. don't feel like it's been 30 years. Philadelphia, Sleepless in Seattle, and my personal Tim Burton favorite, Nightmare Before Christmas. So in, in the day of the Oscars, you know, the Oscars so white, obviously this movie being an epic movie going up against just like a killer's row of movies, you know, the Schindler's List, Jurassic Park, Days, you know, you just went through the whole list. Unbelievable list of movies. Of course, like it's forgotten in history behind your Jurassic Parks and your Days and Confused and The Fugitive and some of these massive, massive movies. Do you have there, did it get nominated for anything? Um, I don't believe it did. Um, and again, I think that a lot has to do with a, the Academy was just not into anything, um, not telling of a white story, I guess. Um, and then, yeah, I, it's interesting because Hackford obviously goes on to do Ray, which I believe gets nominated. I know for sure. Um, uh, the main actor in Ray gets, gets a award for that one. Um, Fox, Jamie Fox gets nominated for but no, I'm not seeing any awards for that. I'm rolling through IMDb quick. Yeah. Um, but yeah, let's let's rip into a couple of the trivia slash the connection the quotes here, and then we'll we'll get into our most anticipated. Um I almost forgot about that scene where uh what did we say that the Mexican gang was called? La Onda. La Onda. One mm. of those guys breaks off and is trying to do his own thing and tries to intimidate the black gang. But outside of jail, and he has his boy Smokey go just throw two grenades into this club and just yeah, explode it. Too. Yeah, that blew my mind. For I was like, "What the fuck is yeah. going on here?" Also, they just blew up a building for a three second scene. Like, yeah, mind blown. Like, I can't remember what it was called, but it was it, the the club had a hilarious name too. Name. And the grenade roll too. When yeah, he, just yeah. like not one, one, but two. They just like like the camera hones it on. It's like clink, clink, clink. Oh, uh, I wish I could figure out what that is. Um, so some of my favorite quotes real quick. Um, you speak Spanish, well, so do parrots. Yeah, that, that was, was little... unbelievable. The, all the Vatos Locos Forever essay, all that stuff. Um, Miklo, right in the beginning, I may be white from the outside, but I'm brown on the inside. To the bone, you know, all that stuff. Um, so many good ones. Um, what other ones did you run down? Like I said, I think I got my my two out of there. The oh, somebody called somebody Pimp Mobile at one point, which I wrote down. <laughs> I found that interesting. The whole subplot with um, cocaine is America's cup of coffee. Oh, and, and then them yes. quoting it so that that's how Miko figures out that he's working with the other guy. Um, I thought that was absolutely ridiculous. Um, but anyway, oh, you know what I found out in my in my research? So I do have a couple of quick mm. IMDb trivia notes that I found, and this one I kind of could see coming the guy that played the warden mm. not an actual actor was actually the warden of the prison at the time uh that one was i thought was talk about street cred again yeah uh also they used uh stunt double 
for all of the like when Nicolo doesn't have his leg. Right. They had a stunt double that looked just like that guy and actually had a prosthetic leg. Right. So they just used, used that guy. Can't believe they found two pairs. Not one, but two pairs of those piercing blue eyes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, agreed. That's, that's like the other thing is like everyone keeps saying like, you know, Mexicans have brown eyes. Miklo, you got those beautiful blue eyes, you know, all that There's stuff. There's a lot of sexual stuff going on about that when he first gets to oh, I mean, he had like He had like, like white walker eyes from Game of Thrones. They're like very they're yeah, like blue. piercingly blue. blue. Um, all right. We're going to wrap this up. Let's go through some of our favorite Latin American uh, films. And then we're, then we're going to jump into our most anticipated um, Shane, you had an awesome list there, and a lot of them were super uh, recent. Go rip, rip through them. Yeah, and, and Ben, I saw your list after too. There, I definitely threw my notes out quick. You have some great hits in yours too. Mm. Uh, number one for me, the Disney movie Coco. Like Coco is just beautiful. Dia de los Muertos, like just absolutely fantastic. I also think that Spider Man Into the Spider Verse mm. should count as like a, a yes, it's a superhero movie and it's an animated, but I also think. Miles Morales is played Spider-Man in that movie. He's obviously a Hispanic young adolescent that comes from a Hispanic neighborhood in New York City. Love it. I think it counts. West Side Story, both the original and the Spielberg remake. Well, the from- Miles Morales is just the perfect um, representation. Like, there was no Hispanic uh, superhero until... They, and then they literally take Spider-Man and be like, screw it, he's no longer white. He's going to be Miles Morales. Yeah, you know and, I mean? and Into the Spider-Verse so, is awesome. Right amazing movie but also just like the whole point of representation like miles morales is like the embodiment of like let's let's get uh, yeah some diversity <laughs> i liked uh i actually really liked uh spanglish from adam sandler from yeah. like the shout out to sandman early 2000s uh puss in boots uh, antonio banderas is just awesome my name is boos and uh the Ontario Ontario Banderas uh zoros were also awesome mm. yes and then do we like uh, this is up for discussion I think I do count Training Day as a, a Latin American movie. Obviously, Denzel Washington's not Latin American, mm. but there's a lot of Latin American culture in that movie, which I thought... Yeah, also so, based in L.A. Yeah, yeah I, I think it counts. I'll give it to you. Yeah, for sure. Thank you. I appreciate I'm that. The, I, I mean, I'm the authority Mendes, on it, and I'll yeah. give it to you. Thank you. I, I think it's got some um, certified uh, heroes of you know Mexican-American, Eva Mendez, and um trying to think of who else was in that movie. Uh, there was your Michael right. Michael Pena's in that too. P- Michael Pena, yeah. Uh, yeah. Have you ever had your, you your shit pushed in? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just like a very graphic thing. But did you guys ever watch La Bamba? Yeah, yeah. That's so huge shout out there too. Yeah, that's. I feel like in the Hall of Fame of like Latin movie scenes, him singing La Bamba and La Bamba has got to be oh, like yeah. all the way at the top. Some of my favorites. Um, I went for directors first for whatever reason when we started asking this question like all I could think of is Alfonso Cuaron and like obviously the super you know thinking about like what's the most Mexican movie I could think of off the top of my head in Roma in Mexico City which is just like okay yeah. that's like top A but then like I, I always go and it's funny as you were talking about um, Antonio Banderas is all those like um, obligatory Mexican movies the the Toros and the um, Zor- sorry Zorros and like those are like folk heroes of those things, but it, it felt like those were pandering to a wider audience in a way than something like Blood In, Blood Out, you know? Like yeah, I mean, the, wasn't like all those mariachi action was, movies, you know, the Once Upon a Time in Mexico, like all that stuff. Yeah. It just feels like it's a pandering action movie. Isn't there a movie called The Mexican starring Brad Pitt? Yes. <laughs> also, the, yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. So like, what feels, are we, the, like the what are we doing That feels category. dirty. 
Right. And, I don't uh, like that. That feels wrong. The what are we doing category of movies. So like um, Itu Mama Tambien, the other Quaron movie, I would tell anybody to go watch. Um, Guillermo del Toro, who's been just ripping amazing movies. He's awesome. Obviously, um, you know, nothing that's extremely like cultural um, Latin American lately. Um, Shape of Water, Pinocchio, Nightmare Alley. Um, but Paints, Labyrinth, Hellboy, he's just, but he's another great Mexican director doing a lot of really, really great work. And then Pedro Alma, uh, I'm, I can't, I'll, I always screw up names, Almodovar, who's been doing Spanish films for forever. He is actually Spanish, but he just recently did Parallel Mothers um, with Penelope Cruz. Talk to her is another huge film. I think, I also think like when we talk about directors, we would be, it would be doing a disservice to Mexican talent to not mention Alexander. Uh, Alejandro Inarritu. Yeah, yeah. Right now, who did... He did Birdman. He mm-hmm. did The Revenant. He just did Bardo. He's, like, one of the one of the hottest directors in Hollywood. And even um, to tie back into Babylon, like, our whole discussion there of, you know, he was the underpaid uh, help on a production site, becomes, like, a lead producer. Yeah. Um, I'm going to screw up his name of his character in that movie, too, but... Um, uh, Di- and, Diego Calva. Yeah, Diego Calva, up and comer. Yep. Um, yeah, and then, you know, you shout out the John Leguizamo's, Michael Pena's, Jennifer Lopez's of the world, um, just doing awesome work. All right, we're going to cut there and we're going to go into our most anticipated movies of 2023 draft style. Draft style. Do a draft. Um, so we're going to decide in order. Um, are we doing live rock, paper, scissors on? on I love a good live rock, paper, scissors uh, uh, that no you, one can you, see. I'll take, I'll take third. I'm happy. No, no, no. You're, You're trying to take scissors. one of the better spots, buddy. Rock, paper, scissors, shoot. Oh, wow. How do we go? Oh, we have a three-way tie. No, so, so, oh, yeah. Yeah, you went rock. You went scissors. I, I think you got to do one at a time, and we might cut a lot of this out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we're going to have to order. cut a lot of stuff out. Um, Damn it. All right, so Chris will go first. I'll go second. Shane goes third. Awesome. I got what I wanted. All right. Thanks, guys. Um, Son of a bitch. He's on the turn. That's a classic draft spot to be. Shane threw the first rock, paper, scissors. <laughs> did it on purpose. Yeah. Pete Rose. Got got to love it. All right. So, um, obviously, we're like almost uh, a sixth of the way through the year. All the way through, maybe a quarter of the way through the year. Halfway through March here. Doing most anticipated movies of 2023. I think we could stretch it out a little bit deeper, but there's so we're getting. There's a lot coming out. When I googled it, mm-hmm. I, I found a lot of a lot of things that were at least. I'm when I'm gonna put my most anticipated up there. It's not necessarily because I think they're gonna be good. Mm. Some of them I'm anticipating because I just want to see. No, that's the whole, like, that's the whole point. We're gonna, you know? yeah, that's the whole point. It's to give so people some insight. The into only what's rules coming. is we're drafting five, no categories, nothing crazy. Snake just, just snake five, draft too, right? And then we're gonna make yeah snake draft. And we're going to make the list that goes up on um, Letterboxd. Cool. So let's do it. Um, Chris, you're up first with the first pick. Wow. This is interesting because I am pretty sure I, a lot of the movies that I have aren't going to be picked by you guys. So I feel like I have to take one that you guys would pick. Oh, you're the worst for this. Yeah. So I think I'm going to take the upcoming Into the Spider-Verse movie. You're oh, an asshole for yeah. that. You're a real I, I feel asshole like all for that. Let's we're gunning for that. Yeah. I mean... Probably you got the, the first pick. You got to take one of the top ones coming right. out. Probably the biggest comic book movie coming out. The follow-up to um, Into the Spider-Verse. You know, a huge animation-pushing movie. That was on my list, Chris. Yeah, coming you out June check 2nd. it off. If you don't know who Spider-Man is by now, go read a book. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, also starring Miles Morales. So, going to be awesome. Also starring Spider-Pig. Starring so many things. Does Nick Cage come back? I was going to say, one? is Nick Cage back? Nick they Cage do have crushes. some... They have... Uh, 
Oscar Isaac does a he does one of the voices. Mm-hmm. Daniel Kaluuya does one of them, and uh, Brian Tyree Henry also does one too. Yeah, oh, it's gonna be an awesome movie. So amazing first pick. Um, let's see here. I gotta figure out what what's the most desired uh, second pick here. You know, I'm I'm going with my heart right off the top. I know neither of you guys are biting on this movie at all, but I'm going Barbie. Let's go Barbie. I knew Let's go you were party, take that. baby. Let's Ugh. go. July 21st, going up toe-to-toe with Christopher Nolan's Oppenheimer the same day. I'm playing my flag. Barbie is going to be the biggest goddamn movie this summer, and you can't tell me I'm wrong. What's Barbie, tell me I'm wrong. What's Shane, Barbie rated? Barbie is rated. I, I think it's not. A, I think it's not rated yet. Probably PG thirteen. I think I it's don't not see rated yet. R. It's got to be PG thirteen, right? I, a dark Barbie movie would be hilarious. Oh my god! Unbelievable. <laughs> but like, yeah, I don't know. That's I don't. I know. mean, just a really What's erotic the Ken concept. Barbie? Yeah, but it turns I, out he's still very saying. smooth. <laughs> I don't know what I, I. I. I mean, Ryan Gosling and Margot Robbie are obviously awesome, Maybe but I don't know I don't what know. the concept of this movie is. I'm like, what? It, did the action figures just become real people? Right. Is it based what, what off this? of like the? Is there some Barbie like lore that I'm unaware so of? Noah like... Baumbach, you might have heard of him. Mm-hmm. Huge writer director of so many great movies. Um, Marriage Story, most recently directed by Greta Gerwig. Um, off of two, you know, two huge hits, Francis Ha and Lady Bird. Um, and she's she's helped produce do some other stuff here. Um, but really, really big female voice behind Barbie. Going to crush it with no a little help from Noah Baumbach. Two humongous movie stars. The still shots that they've been put out of just like the neon pink. And I green. saw some of those pictures. I and, like the outfits. I'll give them that. And Malibu Barb, like the whole thing. Holy cow! This movie just looks perfectly plastic, popcorn ready movie. I'm putting my flag in it as like this is my Top Gun too. I guess I'm just interested in you can in, have like it. who's the <laughs> audience? Are they are they trying to get like young girls that play with Barbies to watch this movie, or is it supposed to be a more? No, I think they're, it's they're going for thirty year old guys that sit around sit around in their friends' apartments and do podcasts <laughs> on do, Sundays. I do think it's gonna be a sat- <laughs> I do think it's gonna be a satire um, on you know unrealistic beauty ideals and all that crap and just about being plastic and the concept of being plastic. I, I trust Greta Gerwig as a sure set of hands to thematically take Barbie in places that we weren't expecting. So I'm planting my flag. Um, Barbie, July 21st. See you at the movies. Oh, I'm so excited for my back-to-backs. Chris took one of my picks, but it's okay. I've got got a lot of reserves off the bench. Uh, my pick for the first round is going to be Christopher Nolan's Oppenheimer. Just loaded with talent. Christopher, uh, obviously, Christopher Nolan did the Batman's, did the Prestige, did Interstellar, did Tenet. Uh, Killian Murphy plays Oppenheimer, who is the uh, the scientist that invented the atomic bomb. Robert Downey, Robert Downey Jr. is in it. Matt Damon, Rami Malek, Florence Pugh, Emily Blunt. July 2023 cannot come soon enough. Ben, you can go to Barbie. I will be at Oppenheimer. I might be doing a double feature with you. Like, I might okay. show up to Barbie at like 10 a.m. and then be like, yo, Shane, you want to go catch Oppenheimer? At <laughs> okay. Like one? Um, and then, since I get back to back, the first pick, my first pick of the second round is going to be Dune Part 2. Uh, November 2023, Dennis Villeneuve uh, directing Timmy Chalamet, Zendaya. Uh, Javier, Chris, Chris, give us another shot. I'm actually most I'm excited. Of one, right? I'm yeah, actually I'm trying to come up with a good one. I'm sure you will. I'm actually most excited to see Javier Bardem in part two because I don't feel oh like God. he got a ton of time right. in part he got one. Ten seconds in the end, and he he's introduced. so he's so good. I, they audit, added uh, Austin Butler and Florence Pugh also mm. to the cast. So super excited about that. I don't even know if Shane got halfway through the cast list of Oppenheimer. That it's cast list, loaded. Yeah, it was. I think it was five by five tiles on the movie poster of all their faces and it's just like all a or b plus lister people it's absolutely absurd 
Um, very jealous of both of those picks. Dune, um, we discussed that movie on this pod last Is year. Is Timmy too. Bidet in Oppenheimer? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love the callback to Japanese toilets. Um, uh, we, we discussed how the first Dune was like almost all set up to pay off the second one. And so my expectations are really, They got to deliver with this one. I they do. Like. Because they all set up with no payoff. It's going gonna, gonna to crush a lot of hearts. All right. So I'm on the turn. Um, let's see here. I, I'm going, my next one, you know, I talk about long movies, John Wick 4 coming out in just 12 days, March 24th is going to be a two hour and 40 minutes of Keanu killing it. It's the last one, right? Um, I, I don't know. I don't know. Keanu, if Keanu wants to just keep going and keep printing money, he might do it. I, I've heard they're going to keep going. I've heard they've also filmed maybe two movies in conjunction at the same time so that they've got John Wick 4 and 5 in the hopper just like ready to go. Um, Keanu's so easy to root for. Yeah. He's just like known to be an awesome guy that just gives his money to charity and is like seems like a wonderful person. I'm like, I'll, I'll see your movies, man. Even if I don't like them, I'll go see them. Yeah. Uh, Keanu's still main character and obviously as an old action hero like he's not a spring chicken anymore doing what is pretty crazy choreography um, that's really the standout of the show it's Chad Stileski. Um, he's just an elite Hollywood stunt coordinator that's been handed the reins as director of these movies going on number four um, Donnie Yen Bill Skarsgård Lauren Fishburne um, Hiroyuki Sonata um, Shamir Anderson who is like very much in the in the trailer looks like a John David Washington clone. There's a shot of him just with big, you know, wide eyed. And I was like, is that John David Washington in this movie? And no, I want to get it right. Shout out Shamir Anderson. Um, and Rina Sawayama, who's a singer, like pretty big pop singer for whatever reason, she's also in it along with stalwarts, Lance Reddick, Ian McShane. Um, I could watch 10 John Wicks. Um, I think they're just getting better. Um, I've got really high expectations. A little worried about that two hour, 40 minute runtime, but really excited for John Wick. Up, huh? Back to back. Um, All right. So this one is, I I haven't seen a lot of buzz about it really, or nor have I even seen a trailer. But uh, have you guys heard of Fool's Paradise? I have not. No, tell us about it. Uh, So it's Charlie Day from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Okay. I think it's his first like directing job. He's got like a big movie. It's got him, John Malkovich is in there, Ray Liotta, Adrian Brody, Jason Sudeikis. Um, I think Ken Jong is in there. What's it called? Ray Liotta. So it's called. So it's like a post thalum. It's what's oh the, my god, yeah, posthumous Ray Liotta. Yeah, yeah. Is it post thalum? I, I thought Cocaine uh, Bear was going to be the last Ray Liotta film we'd see, but apparently he was just working right to the end. Yeah, I don't like. I said I don't know a ton about it, but I've definitely listened to like the Always Sunny podcast, and I'll hear. Charlie Day talk about it on there, and that's kind of built the buzz for me a little Heck bit. Yeah, for sure. So Pretty, that's yeah. something I'm looking forward. There to. There haven't been a lot of comedies in like recent years either. No. So Edie Falco jumping on that cast list, Kate Beckinsale, pretty ridiculous for sure. It looks it looks like it could be good. Again, I haven't seen a preview or anything, but I'm just basing it off of May twelfth, twenty twenty three. All right, we're getting there. I yeah, Charlie Day can do very little wrong in my book. Um, what was the movie he just did? Um, it was about like a, it was a rom-com about getting back together. Oh, it was with, uh, what's her name? Yeah. Christy from, watched it a couple from of Big times. From Big Mouth. Um, yes. And so, yeah, Charlie Day just consistently hit, getting on base with these movies. Guy so, crushes. Never, never, you know, hasn't had a huge hit really in a minute. Um, I'd say since Terrible Bosses, but, um, yeah. I, 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 
do think he's a sure set of hands for his first one. So what's your what's your next one? What's your number three? All right. So this is where it gets a little murky for me. Um, I know you got actually, you know what? I know you guys aren't going to take this one. I was going to maybe save it for last, but fuck it. It's definitely higher up in my anticipated movies. The community movie is coming out. Oh, yeah. The community. And I think it's supposed to be out this year. The community, big part of like that was peak college for me. And that was like the childish Cambino coming out party mm -hmm. along with, you know, Joel McHale's and, um, Who's in Glow now? That's absolutely massive. Allison Brie. Yeah, Allison is it, Brie. Is, is it literally now. just called the Community movie? I think it's just going to be. Yeah, it's just oh, that's community. Cool. Like, and then so they had the whole like six seasons in a movie thing was yeah. like a, a yeah. through line through it. So they're finally getting the movie out. I hope. I doubt that they can get. Uh, oh fuck, Chevy Chase. Well, there. I, no, I would they probably want. I've read that that would, but I hope Donald Glover comes back for that one. I would yeah, love that. I imagine he's got to. Did you see the the community table read that they did over yeah. the pandemic with yes. Pedro Pascal? Really love that. They got him for that, so like you got to think that he's at least open to it, right? And obviously the Dan Harmon of it all, like you know, I, I Dan Harmon's just gone on since Community because Community was like one of his earliest like big hits. Wasn't he did it? like the first two seasons or right. three uh, there one season at, at a certain point he left right but obviously goes on to rick and morty and like so many other big dan and Harmon franchises you know he's kind of like one of our comedy stalwarts at this point um just interesting to see him still going on is he directing it i i believe so i think oh, he's awesome i think they're getting pretty much everybody back into it so yo two I'm picks, forward two to picks from from that this is why you know this is why Chris gets paid the big bucks as the producer. I'll tell you what. <laughs> um, two picks I would not expect did not have on the list or on the notes. They're on my radar now. Picking from the heart. That's, that's why we do it. That's why we're here for you, there folks. You the Drop the Remote Podcast is here to give you the movies that you can't find on Google. Let's see here. Uh, a couple of really good ones. I had Dune pretty high up there. Um, all right. In the same vein as the white trash cocaine, not white trash, the trashy movie. Um, that I'm very anticipating. I love a trashy movie. And Mafia Mama is coming out. The I also know this is, is not going to be on either of you guys' list. And in the spirit of picking movies that, um, you know, are going to be great, but, you know, probably not top, top tier. Um, Mafia Mama has got Tony Collette as her her grandfather was the leader of the Italian mafia. And so she has to go back and be the head of this mob. Now, um, this movie does not, if it punches above a B plus, I would be shook to my core, but <laughs> I am just such a sucker for like, Tony Collette's the, awesome. the Tony Soprano. Yeah. Tony Collette on an absolute heater with nightmare alley and, um, knives out. And she's just doing awesome stuff after awesome stuff. Um, so I'm going to go with that one. Could Ma be good. Mafia mama, April 14th. Probably could have saved that one for my last pick, but you know what? Could be good. Could be Corky Romano. You never know. You never know. You never know. Uh, so that's where I'm at. Okay. Uh, I am going to take with my next pick. So this is three and four for you, right? Three and that's four, right. yeah. So I'm going to go Killers of the Flower Moon, uh, Marty Scorsese, uh, Leo, Robert De Niro, Jesse Plemons is in there, and still on the Frasier Sons train. Brendan Frazier is also in there. Mm. I don't know when it's releasing. Actually, right, so it hasn't been officially announced. It keeps getting pushed back. They say back. they're saying 2023. They're not saying when. They're supposed right. to be out in some film festivals in May, and I think, I think this is like a big Apple production too. I think Apple has a lot of money behind yes. this one. So I'm gonna take that with my third pick and with my fourth pick. Shocked that this is still here. I am going with the Disney Pixar release for uh, June. Uh, Elemental. Mm -hmm. Very excited about that. Yeah, the Pixar movie was. I was on my my list. It was. 
it was tight to it. Um, I mean, can Pixar do any wrong? No. The, exactly. I feel like that's just immediately towards the top. Um, the Killers of the Flower Moon, Scorsese obviously carrying a ton of weight. Um, the only reason I had this on my list of most anticipated movies. Um, yeah, last you already, year. yeah, that one doesn't count. We already had that one last right. year. So it's, it's, a, it's a repeat, interestingly, because it was supposed to come out in 2022. And I was just like, you know, for, re, for repeat content, like, I don't know. Um, but Scorsese is going to Scorsese. It's going to be amazing. Leo's in it. Yeah, the, and, the chance is, is ridiculous. Jesse Plemons is awesome, yeah. too. So uh, Shane, cleaning it up. I feel like Shane's got the cleanest list so far, like the pristine, like gonna have the highest batting average. Where like me, and Chris we're taking just, some risks over yeah, here. We're taking, <laughs> yeah. we're taking some risks. Big you know? swings. Um, on on the backswing on four. Um, because it's still there, and you know the marvel of it all. I I think Guardians of the Galaxy, the trequel number three. I don't even remember what they're gonna call it. Volume three, I think, is all it is. James Gunn is in for another one. I think it's the last one. Um, Sly Stallone is on the IMDb. I think he's part of the big bad situation in this one. Always there for Stallone. He was in the last one, right? Like, bit bit piece. He was, like, part of the other, like, the Space Raiders. He's, like, the leader of that crew. I don't know. And then... Um, Maria Bakalova of Borat fame, who I freaking wax poetic about, um, is going to be Cosmo the dog. So she's going to be voice acting a dog. Um, really, really excited for that. I, I yeah, obviously, I think they're going to hang it up after three. That's as far as a lot of these guys' contracts go. Of the the Batistas, um, the Chris Pratts of it all. Like I don't know how many more Guardians of the Galaxy we're going to get. So I'm I'm just going to soak it in while I can and, and get my last Guardians of the Galaxy there as my number four. All right, so final got, two. I got my last two, right? Your final two. Interesting, interesting. Okay, so I'm going to put... This one is also a reach. I think, Shane, maybe you said it before, they haven't been making comedies lately. Like good comedies, big comedies. Haven't seen a lot of those lately. There's one that I'm hoping could maybe pull it off. Uh, have you guys seen Strays? Have you seen anything for that? I have. I have not. So it's Will Ferrell basically is a yes. dog. Yes. And uh, his owner is Will Forte, who's apparently just a huge douchebag and keeps like leaving him places. And <laughs> Will Ferrell becomes like a stray dog. What and an amazing plot line. Meets like, up with, this up already. Meets up with Jamie Foxx, who's another dog, and they try and go. I think the from what I could tell from the trailer, the whole plan is that Will Ferrell's dog character wants to go bite Will Forte's dick off. <laughs> <laughs> amazing. amazing so it's one of those things like will ferrell movies have been hit or miss lately you know right, a course. little more the, miss the musical was a lot lately. for christmas but you know looking at the cast sofia vergara isla fisher um josh gadge um will forte you know obviously randall park who i love to rob riggle i got they got the riggle um and it's rated r so i'm like hoping like yeah. okay we get a good r-rated comedy movie that comes out it should be noted that it's the animation style that's like hyper realistic it's a little might off-putting. be the only other thing that like freaks me out a little bit is like they didn't train they didn't use real dogs they're not doing like the pig thing right the way the, the dog's thing, mouths yeah. move yep. is a little like right and so just looking at some like the early images is like yeah wow animation is insane but also like I think, yeah, I don't, I don't think the animation is going to get in the way, but it is like a side note of like that. If anything was to ruin it, it might just be that these um, animated dogs are just too weird looking. Um, That's an amazing pick. Again, is it, is it a Netflix movie? Another movie that didn't even make the list. Let's see where we can figure out how, where this is coming out. But unbelievable. 
Uh, another movie didn't even make the notes because we just took like the 15 four most anticipated. Like I copy pasted the 50 most four most anticipated movies of the year um, and just threw them in a sheet for us. And like Chris, four for four off the radar. Deep dive. I'm yeah. doing the deep dive over here. Um, oh, my God. There's going to be so many honorable mentions. But um, oh, I got one more, right? Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Okay. And then you, and then so, you do too. Right. I guess I you got to like you said, there's definitely going to be some honorable mentions. I've got two that I'm kind of in between right now. I guess I'm going to go with... I'm going to switch it up from my normal picks of weird ones. Mm. I'm going to go with Fast 10. Mm. Fast 10? I Christian Foley would love that pick. So he texted me about that the other day, actually. <laughs> I haven't watched it. I don't think I've watched a Fast and Furious movie since uh, Tokyo Drift, probably. Mm. But I do listen to How Did This Get Made? And they love those movies. And they just put one out of... Just watching, space. just watching the trailer for this one, and they put out a whole hour-long episode. So even if I don't end up seeing the movie, which I might, I don't know. But it's going to create some amazing, how did this get made? Content. I'm excited for that more than anything. <laughs> I was with my brother when he texted you about that, and I was like, just full stop, walk me through this. What's going on in the Fast and Furious universe? Because I'm also very behind. And he was like, oh, yeah, Vin Diesel like works for the government now. He works for a yeah. secret. But I was like, I think I'm still oh, they've, seven. They've so. taken this and ran with it. It's wild. Yeah, they did put a car in space last time, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> where where do you go from there after that? I don't really know. You going to the moon? They got <laughs> The new one has Jason Momoa in it, I'm pretty oh, yeah, sure, right. as the bad guy. Yep. Which they the Fast and Furious movies seem and to do the thing where villain. you... Yeah. You be the villain, and then at the end of the movie, you're, you're in the team. Become the good guy. Yeah. yeah. Slade and Jason Momoa for three more. Films, yeah, he's gonna sure. be. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. yeah. Oh my god. Um, love it. Um, what was the release date on that one? We had it up here. Fast. Uh, May nineteenth. So coming up pretty soon. soon here, for the summer slate. Um, my god. The last pick. This is. Uh, this is this is where it gets tricky because there's so much meat still on the bone here of movies I would love to take. Um, but I think I'm going to get my one like non goofy pick in there and I'm going to go because ah, I think Shane's going to want this one too because I'm going Asteroid City by Wes Anderson. Was that going to be the fifth pick? You bastard. Oh, there I it knew, is. But I knew you were going to do it. So I had a, I had a, you got it back. I had, yeah, a, like I had a six man ready to there's go. There's a lot of meat still on his bone. Um, but yeah, another ridiculous cast by Wes Anderson. I feel like he just like puts up a flyer somewhere in Hollywood. It's like, who wants to be in a Wes Anderson movie? And then just like signs only his favorite people. And then like 10 more people that would love to be in a movie. I like that you see like the, like I do like seeing the repeat players on Wes Anderson yes. movies. Like you see the Adrian Brody's. Yes. You see like the Ed Norton's and it's like, oh. There's Wes a lot of guys that do that though. Like Christopher Nolan has his yeah, crew. His like, yeah. there's a lot Killian there's... Murphy is usually in yeah. Christopher. He's been in a couple of Christopher Nolan movies. Dunkirk. Um, so notable, like huge, haven't been in an Anderson movie yet, though. My girl Margot Robbie. You, so I'm, going, I'm going double you down. You love Margot Robbie. You love Margot Robbie. My step, my wife Stephanie would say Margot Robbie. She she does not like her as a movie star. I'm like she is the biggest movie star Australia has given us. She's so good. Uh, I would Mel like Gibson, to see. Bro. Yo, yo, the Mel Gibson train has left the state. <laughs> Mel Gibson's out. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I'm I'm in. You were saying, Shane, about Margot Robbie. Yeah, I'd like to see, aside from uh, the I, Tanya movie, yeah. I'd like to see a director like... Uh, what do you, What's the word I want to use? Like, not make, let her be eye candy? Yeah, exactly. I want to see a director yeah, a make... Movie, up a little bit. I'd like to see a director make the most out of her talent other than just have her be a blonde bombshell because I think she's an incredible actress. Yes. And you're not... Aside from, like, I, Tanya, I don't feel like we're seeing... I feel like... 
well, she got there in Babylon. But sort she, of. she starts out as the eye candy in Babylon, but then turns into this incredibly dramatic role. Yeah. Um, I, I agree. A lot of the same Margot Robbie stuff because um focus and then obviously in Wolf of Wall Street, she's pure bombshell territory there. Yeah. I agreed. I think this Wes Anderson's gonna let her do some chops. Here. I hope so. Um, Tom Hanks, you may have heard of him in this movie. And then some recent Tommy heavy hitters, Hong Chow from The Menu, um, from The Whale. Yeah, she's in The Whale, too. Rushing. She's the nurse in The Whale, right? Uh, yes. And um, then just, just a who's who. William, De- Our guy, William Defoe. Please, please never stop making movies. Big, big fan Defoe. of Defoe on the, on the pod. Um, Brian Cranston, Scarlett Johansson, I think is where... Has Steve Carell been in a Steve, Wes Anderson movie? He is not, As but he's previously. I don't think. No, he is not, but he's in it. Yeah, and then just a ton of like the Edward Nortons, the Adrian Brodies, the Tilda Swintons, the Maya Hawk. Well, Maya Hawk might be her first one. I know Ethan Hawke's been in a. I think so. Jeff Goldblum, obviously, like so many of the previously been on. Um, so yeah, um, Asteroid City. When are we coming out here? Uh, I, June. Uh, June. June. So, um, very excited for the most recent Wes Anderson release. I'm up. You're yep. up. This last pick. Last pick. My last pick of the draft is going to be a film called Leave the World Behind. Mm. It's releasing in December. It's a Netflix release uh, starring Mahershali, Julia Roberts, Ethan Hawke, and uh, a young actress named Myhella Harold. She plays Harper Stern in HBO's Industry. Okay. I think that she's really, really good. I'm interested to see how she does in a role outside of that role from Industry. Uh, it's also being directed by Sam Ismail, who also directed and created Mr. Robot, mm-hmm. the AMC show, which is incredible. Mr. Robot was awesome. Yeah, so I'm super excited about that one. So that's my that's my last pick of the draft. Uh, a little family drama action with an amazing director behind it. Um, expected December 7th. So um, very excited. I mean, Ethan Hawke. I just, he's another one. Season tickets to Ethan Hawke. I'm just in. So quick draft recap. Number one, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, drafted by Chris. Number two, Barbie, drafted by Ben. Number three, Oppenheimer, drafted by myself. Number four, Doom Part 2, drafted by myself. Number five, John Wick 4, taken by Ben. Number six, Fool's Paradise from Chris. Seven, The Community Movie from Chris. Eight, Mafia Mama from Ben. Nine, Killers of the Flower Moon from myself. Ten, Elemental from myself. 11, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 from Ben. 12, Strays from Chris. 13, Fast X from Chris. 14, Asteroid City from Ben. And 15, Leave the World Behind from myself. Um, so we'll do a little Twitter Twitter slash Instagram poll on who won the movie draft of most expected movies here uh, for the folks following us out there. Follow us on Drop the Pod, Drop the Remote Pod on Instagram. Uh, you can always drop us a line at Drop the Remote Pod. Um, at gmail.com. Um, we will answer any questions. <laughs> I haven't checked it in the in the recent uh, history here, but um, we will check it soon. It's probably just full of boner pill ads right now. But yeah, Jesus. Yeah. Where, where else can you find us? Uh, I think that's that's it for now. Um, I'm on Letterboxd. I'm Buckwild Benny on Letterboxd. So <laughs> pretty easy name to find on Letterboxd. Um, if you want to see some more reviews, some more fun stuff, uh, where else can we find us? Anybody else want to throw out a, a, a handle, a tag out there? I ain't got shit. Okay. No, that's... That's All right, it. follow us. Find us, drop the remote pod. That's the important thing. All right, some honorable mentions here. Um, I had in my top five, uh, you know, just the Marvel of it all. Um, Craven the Hunter, which I think definitely got pushed back. Um, now, um, director J.C. Chandor, 
uh, Most Violent Year, the Oscar Isaac movie was like one Loved of my it. favorites. Freaking love that movie. He was also behind Margin Call, Triple Frontier. Um, has some amazing actors in it. It's got Ariana DeBose as Calypso. Russell Crowe is in this. Um, and then Aaron Taylor Johnson is starring as Craven the Hunter, the famed Russian hunter who wants to kill the greatest beast, the greatest. It's it's sort of a riff on um, the most dangerous game. He's supposed- Craven hunts Spider-Man eventually. And so this is the setup of the hunter to, I think, eventually tie him into the Spider-Man world. Oh, that's cool. So in my like dumb little toy kid brain, I'm just like, oh, Craven the Hunter is like the best in Spider-Man. Like, I think I'm just waiting for that one. Plus, um, like uh, Aaron Taylor Johnson, I think they announced it, or like he's definitely the front runner now to be the new Bond, right? Oh, that's cool. Too. I didn't realize that. Too. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if they announced it yet, but I think that he's like, from everything I've read, it's like mm. the deal is pretty much done. I think they're just waiting to like campaign it and announce it. Mm. Um, I want to, I want to go into like these movies might be total crap corner. Um, Dungeons and Dragons, Chris, are you going to watch Dungeons? That's going to be garbage. It's going to be. I agree. With that How do you now? feel that's about Tetris? The movie. I can't. Is it about the game making the game? Making the game of okay. Tetris, which is probably more interesting than yeah, Tetris. yeah. I was gonna say if they to try to do fair, a battleship, okay. like, do, you, thing. do you think Air Jordan's gonna be good, or you think it's gonna be crap? Air? Um, it's big called stand, Air. Is it, it just Air? Air. Yeah. Okay, big stand for Ben Affleck and Matt Damon. I don't think that they can, but like, I don't think it's gonna be good. I Neither do I. Either. I have a feeling it's gonna be. I, ha- flop. I have bad vibes around that movie. I think it's just because it feels rushed. I don't know. Mario Brothers, the movie flop. I probably won't see it. I I feel like they're gonna. That movie's gonna make it's gonna print money, but it's gonna be terrible. Um, I I got to shout it out. Um, Joaquin Phoenix is doing a movie called Bo is Afraid. That was our Lester film. Okay, that looked real out there. I watched the trailer for that. Yeah, I was like, again, like the art house movie for the sake of art house movie because Joaquin Phoenix doesn't know how he is doing Joker 2 at some point this year. I think they're filming this year. They're filming this year, it's coming coming out out in 2024. Yeah, isn't it a musical with um, Lady Gaga? Lady Gaga, Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> Lady, Lady Gaga. Lady Gaga. I can't not say her name ridiculously. Um, Little Mermaid. I think people would say we have to shout out uh, some of the Disney live action stuff. I haven't, other than Cruella, I won't tell you another good Disney live action film that they've tried to recreate in the last ten years. So I'm not negative amounts excited for that. Um, our dude Guy Ritchie is making a movie called The Covenant. So if you just want like trashy action movies, big fan for um, Guy Ritchie. Speaking of trashy action movies extraction a direct to netflix hemsworth movie they're doing um, another one right I they're doing that. another one yeah. it's gonna be great um they're doing another indiana jones movie another indian yes how can you make another indiana jones movie after I, that last one was harrison bad? ford harrison ford is in the show that i talked about in the beginning of the podcast uh shrinking yes he's clearly not like done up at all he's portraying harrison ford's like 70 he's in his 70s and he just looks freaking old and he he like looks old in the show and then I see him in like the Indiana Jones, yeah, they previews, and I'm up. like, they made him. What did? What's happening? He looks they, like he reverse age thirty years. What's they happening? Did the Irishman thing where they're like shrinking all of his face and the wrinkles. And I, Scorsese, we love you, but I am. Fir- I'm just. I'm putting my flag. I'm. I'm against it. I'm just against it. Let's find some young actors and no, Scor- actresses. Scorsese and- didn't do Indiana Jones, did he? No, he did the Irishman. For the Irishman. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, I was like, he's not. Brain. I was like, he's not doing Indiana yeah, Jones. De Niro looks 30 years younger than he should in The Irishman is the point. And they're doing the same technology on Harrison Ford in The Dial of Destiny, um, which I love Fleabag. And what's her name? Fleabag of Fleabag um, is helping write it. And I, I think she can do no wrong. Um, but I, I have extreme doubts. I would it. love for them to redeem themselves from the LaBeouf one that uh, they the did. The, the <laughs> Skull of Destiny or some shit like that. Yeah. 
Yeah. Is aliens that Phoebe Waller Bridge? Is that the right. most well, recent one? Yeah, that was the last one. Yeah, maybe. that was like five, six years ago now, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's been a while. I, Redemption would be would be good. Maybe they get it there. Um, to the shallow, shallow sans, the shallow um, Timothy. I, I'm trying to think of a bad one. Timmy <laughs> <laughs> um, Chevrolet. Tim, Timmy Chevrolet. Timmy Chevrolet. Um, he's going to put out a movie, Wonka, December 15th. Yeah. Obviously, another uh, Willy Wonka tale. Um, probably what's going to make the most money this year is Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning. Um, they, how, they, how many of those movies are is, out? So this is, is Dead Tom, Reckoning colon part one. Is Tom Cruise the greatest action star of all time? I'm going no, but he's way up there. He's, he's Rush. The he's on. Rush, he's on Rushmore. He's a, yeah. yeah he's he's, he's in the Hall of Fame. He's on four. Rushmore just for um, Mission Impossible alone. Um, but yeah, Dead Reckoning Part One comes out July 14th. Um, it's gonna print money. He's gonna do some ridiculous stunts. Some of the stunt list that's on that movie already is out of control. Uh, Shazam! If you're into the DC universe, the I'm first- very. I'm more interested in the Flash movie because mm. that. Obviously, a lot more. Yeah, Keaton. Keaton comes out in on that one. Keaton's right? supposed to be in that one a little yep. bit. Plus the Ezra Miller of it yeah, all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Keaton comes out like as Batman returns like for like the fiftieth old time. school Batman. Yeah. What about uh, Ben? Are you excited about? I'm very excited for this one. Uh, the Killer, David Fincher's yeah. Netflix release, 2023. Uh, anytime. Fast Bender. Yeah. Tilda Swinton. Yeah. Obviously, anytime Fincher's got he's yep. another season tickets guy. Just like gonna go see anything Fincher puts out. Um, I don't think we missed anything. Did we miss anything? There's there's another I'm Roosevelt film. I'm interested in paint a little bit. Oh, yeah, yeah. The Owen Wilson. Yeah, um, Bob Ross. Ha- ha- yeah, Bob they, filmed, they filmed it in Saratoga. Yeah, did, some, uh, some local shots. I won't name drop on this one, but somebody, one of my friends told me that he got a flyer mm-hmm. on his door that was like, oh, we want to use your house for a movie that we're filming. And he didn't respond to it, didn't think it was like anything. And then he said that his girlfriend at the time's dad texted him a picture of Owen Wilson jogging up his driveway and then jogging back out. And he's like, shit, that could have been me. <laughs> <laughs> no, that, that agreed for the, for the five, one, eight of it all. I feel like we got to do that one. Um, and I'm going to throw one last one and then we're going to get out of here. Um, it's a new Jennifer Lawrence movie, rom-com. Just oh, yeah. came out. Yep. So the trailer just dropped. It was, I didn't know anything about it called no hard feelings. Yep. Um, she, you know, is J law looking great. Um, just had a kid married. Um, Did and she? she is trying to seduce a 20 year old college student who is just an absolute nerd in a movie. And yeah. I'm here for it. I think what I read too, and this is, I'm quoting direct from the article that I read. I was like, Oh, what's this movie? And it was like, Jennifer Lawrence tries to seduce the most unfuckable guy on the planet. I'm like, <laughs> Whoa, that's in the trailer. Is Whoa. The, she drops F bomb in the trailer is like, this guy is completely unfuckable. with Jennifer Lawrence. So that seems like that would be a 15 minute movie. <laughs> uh, right like hey you want to you want to get out of here and they're like well yeah okay fine Lawrence. Yeah, absolutely. Kid is such a nerd that he she makes moves on him and like in the trailer like the kid pepper sprays her right away because he's like <laughs> inappropriately touching her yeah she is inappropriately touching him and oh my god looks looks very funny here for the rom-com here for a rom-com with one of our biggest actresses in it and not just some hallmark straight to netflix <laughs> nonsense um so any anything else we miss fellas i think i think we're good no, I feel good. Yeah, I think we covered you wanna, you wanna, all of them. I feel Touch great. I think of- we covered 1,000 movies yeah. in, the, in the deep yeah. dive on uh, Blood In, Blood Out. Um, so next week, we're going to do another pod, um, and it is The Last of Us. We're going to finish the finale. Is tonight. Tonight. It's, it's the Oscars. Rec- we got a quote on the Oscars a little bit. And then the finale. Here's the thing. 15 million people are going to tune in to The Last of Us finale. I bet you 
Two million. No, yeah, I was going to be that low for the Oscars, but everyone's going to be flipping back and forth between the Oscars. And I'm the just going to be on last. I think the last. I think that. the Last of Us will beat out the Oscars, don't you? Yo, for sure, for sure. In views, the mushrooms are going to beat out the Hollywood elite. <laughs> let me tell you. Yeah. Um. So we're we're going to do the deep dive on Last of Us. We got nine excellent hours of television to cover there. Um. But obviously the Pedro Pascal of it all. Um. And, and the video game movies and all that stuff. Um. That's coming next week. Uh, thanks again, fellas. It's been, it's been good. And uh, we'll see you next week. Thanks, thanks fellas. Peace. Peace.